Hello and welcome to the Feel It to Heal It podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Kelly, and I am a clinically trained therapist, emotional wellness and life coach, and healer. My mission is to help as many humans as possible feel safe to feel their feelings in order to create a life beyond their wildest dreams. Thank you for being here and let's dive in. Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Feel It to Heal It podcast. So this episode is a little impromptu edition because I wanted to add in my morning tea lives and introduce them to this podcast community. So on Instagram, every Wednesday morning at 1030 AM Pacific, I hop on Instagram live for what we call morning tea live. This is where I chat about a different topic every week. I have guests on, we talk about all things, healing, feeling, expansion, creating our dream life. And I wanted to bring it to the podcast so that if you are someone that just prefers to listen to audio rather than watching an IG live, you can have multiple ways of hearing. So for this week's morning tea live, which you are about to hear, I talked about all of the top lessons that I learned from age 30, because Friday is drum roll, my birthday, my 31st birthday. So I wanted to do a little morning tea live about all of the things and takeaways that I learned my very first year in my 30s. So enjoy this morning tea live and I will see you in the next episode. Hello and welcome to morning tea live. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Happy Wednesday. Today, we are going to have a little pre-birthday celebration. My birthday is this Friday. I'm turning 31. So we're going to talk about some lessons that I've learned throughout this year and the lessons that I will be taking away from 30 and bringing into 31. I love having my birthday right after the new year. It feels like this continuation of the new year. Sorry, I'm a little out of breath. I just had to run Stella out to go potty. <laughs> I was literally about to sit down at 1030 to start this. And then of course she's like wiggling, telling me she needs to go out. So let's take a breath, get your tea, get cozy as we dive in. And we'll start with a little grounding. <clears throat> so get comfortable in your chair, rolling back the shoulders, closing the eyes. Just noticing your breath in its natural state. Noticing any distractions. I have my cute baby Sky right in the middle of my legs. He's very, very cute poking out his face. And noticing any sounds and just refocusing on your breath. Noticing what's happening in your body right now, noticing any sensations, any emotions, and just allowing space for those sensations and emotions to come up. Noticing any areas of tension or tightness and just sending an intentional breath into any part of the body that needs it most right now. Noticing any resistance to being in your body, to slowing down, to getting in stillness. Mm -hmm. 
Noticing that resistance and deepening the breath to get back to your body. Noticing when the mind tries to pull you out. Noticing any desire to numb or avoid or fidget or move. And just deepening your breath each and every time to get back to stillness. Now let's take three long deep breaths together. So placing your hands on your chest, breathing all the way in. And slowly exhale. And again, breathing all the way in. And release. And one more. allowing your breath to get back to its natural rhythm, just noticing how your body's feeling right now. And when you're ready, you can start to take any small organic movement. So maybe some neck rolls or some side stretches. <clears throat> just gently waking the body up giving it whatever it's needing in this moment as you come back to the present. <sighs> All right, good morning to those that have joined since closing my eyes. <laughs> All right, so let's dive in. So I wrote some notes for this because I wanted to jot down some of the top lessons. And I'm also recording this for the podcast. So we got the mic going and that way you can access this through my Instagram or the podcast. And just a reminder, the first episode of the podcast is coming out this Friday, my birthday, January 13th. Um, I'm so, so excited. So if you're listening to this on, on the podcast, this will probably be the second episode. All right. So my top lessons of age 30. <laughs> this is so exciting. All right. So number one, taking care of this is, I mean, some of these may sound really obvious, but it's things that we know and we just don't do all the time. So taking care of our bodies, right? This is something that we hear a lot about. We get preached to take care of our bodies all the time, but we don't actually do it. And so something I've been really intentional about this year between doing a um, health and wellness coaching program and learning all about food and learning all about, um, you know, how my body works. I mean, just this, I laugh because it's like, we should have learned all this in school, but we don't. So took that um, coaching program that really, really helped change so many things for me, just gave me so much valuable knowledge. And so really having that be a priority um, as well as, you know, joining the gym and just being consistent. And so obviously from a trauma perspective, we talk about consistency a lot. We talk about how we can preach all the time about building new habits, but unless our bodies and our nervous systems feel safe to release the maladaptive and addictive habits that we have used for safety for our entire lives, we're not going to be able to build the new. And so this is where the trauma healing work and the nervous system rewiring work comes in 
so that we can actually adapt new habits to release the old. And the most important thing with this is consistency. So every day I have three daily habits. I chant, I meditate, and I journal. And the days that I miss, I feel the effects of that because my nervous system craves that consistency. So if you have a goal of going to the gym or, you know, eating healthier or whatever it is, like we have to break it down into smaller digestible baby steps within our window of tolerance so that our nervous system doesn't shut down and be like, whoa, 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 this is too much change and change feels scary. So really looking at how you're taking care of your body, your vessel, your home, right? Because we live inside of our body, so it's our home. And why making changes in the past New Year's, you know, when we make our New Year's resolutions, why those may have not worked is because we've chosen goals that are too big and not actually digestible for our nervous systems, or we have... um just not have the support and the accountability that we've needed for that consistency or it's goals that were disconnected from the why. Why are we actually doing this goal? Are we doing it just because society says we should do it or are we doing it because it allows us to feel the way that we want to feel? So that's what I always come back to in my work is how do you want to feel? I know that when I go to the gym and I go to the sauna and I go to the steam room and I move my body, I know that it allows me to feel good. When I eat healthier, when I make my green juice in the morning, when I do all these things, it allows me to feel good. When I don't do that, it makes me feel shitty. So it really goes back to how do you want to feel? The second takeaway and lesson from age 30 is that I went all in on my healing and my expansion and building my dream life. For the first six months or so of my business, I was really just kind of playing it safe. I was just doing what I was comfortable with. I was doing one-on-ones and the idea of forming groups or a retreat or a podcast or anything felt so terrifying to me that I just stayed at the same level of, hold on, the dogs are barking. Okay, we're back. So I was talking about how I was playing kind of small at the beginning. I was allowing my nervous system to kind of settle at that level of my business. It had been a big change transitioning over from the therapy world to the coaching world. And I was really scared to expand. I didn't even know how to do that or what that would look like. And so I have invested in my own mentor, my own healing, my own nervous system and trauma healing for um, about a year and a half now. And anytime there was a moment of feeling defeated, feeling like no matter how hard I was trying to relate differently, my trauma responses were still coming up so strong or my trauma responses were really clouding my vision or I felt like old behaviors were coming back, like the TV. I just gave away my TV because I had kind of, for lack of a better word, relapsed on my addiction to it. So anytime I felt defeated, it would have been so easy in those moments to just give up and say, 
I don't want to do this anymore. It's just safe. It's just easier and safer to relate the old ways, binging TV, um, seeking external saving from anxious attachment, all the things. But I know that the only way out is through. And I know that I have expanded so much by allowing myself to surrender to this healing process, surrendering to my relationship with my mentor and allowing her to be hold up a mirror for me and see these like dark parts of myself that were really painful. And so I know the benefits of that. I know that it's allowed me to feel safe to expand my business to where it is today, where I run several different group programs. Um, I'm planning my second retreat. I have my steady, you know, caseload of one-on-one clients. I'm now doing this podcast. I mean, there's just so many things that I want to do and I now feel safer to do. So I really went all in when I didn't have the money, when I didn't have any proof that I was going to get the money back or that it was going to be worth it or that I was going to feel any different. I just made a decision and I committed to it. And I've reaped the benefits because of that. So when things get hard on a healing journey, you can easily decide you're just going to give up and that it's easier to stay stuck or small. But I promise you, it is so worth it. It is so worth it. Take morning tea, for example. 90% of the time when I show up every week for morning tea, there's no one on here. And I feel like I'm talking to myself. (laughs) But then I get messages from people saying, oh my God, your morning tea was so helpful. I resonated with this and that and that. Thank you for doing it, da, da, da. So as humans, we're so used to having this instant gratification, this instant satisfaction that we give up at the first sign of, you know, oh, no one's watching my morning tea lives. Oh, no one's going to listen to this podcast. Oh, no one's joining my group. I'm technically supposed to start a group in two weeks from this Thursday, and I have no one signed up. So I could say, oh, no one wants this group. So I should just quit. I should just stop launching and I should just stop um, advertising it. Or I should just lie and say that all these spots are filled and there's only one more left and da, 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 da. But having faith, leaning into faith, which we can only really lean into when we have rewired our nervous system out of scarcity and survival modes. Again, if we're in survival mode and we're being chased by a bear, my favorite example, we're not going to be able to say, oh yeah, I have all the faith in the world that these group members are going to show up and that everything's going to work out, or I'm going to be able to pay my rent or blah, blah, blah. We get so caught up in the, what we see in front of us rather than connecting to our why and using that why and that intention to carry us through the days when nothing happens, when it's crickets, when it looks like things aren't working and continuing to show up anyway. That's what happened with me and Anna's men's group. We had one guy sign up and then no one signed up and we had to postpone the start of the group. And we said, we need to find this man friends. (laughs) So basically we had given ourselves like another month to launch. And then really within one week, it was like all at once we had the remaining three men show up. So you just never know what's going to happen. If you've ever heard of the compound effect book, It talks about daily action, daily action, even when nothing looks like it's working, that compounds to larger, larger, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a larger outcome, a larger consequence, right? Because 
that consistency of showing up every day, even when it looks like no one gives a shit or no one is listening, or I'm talking to myself in these lives, like even when it's that building that consistency and showing up, it compounds because one day there will be someone that watches these lives. There will be someone that can benefit from it because if you're connected to your why and it's coming from a place of heart and soul and service and passion and desire, like I'm so passionate about the work I do. I love this work with all my heart. I am so fully committed in every other therapeutic modality that I've been trained in. There were like, oh, I like these parts of it. I don't love these parts of it. Like, eh, you know, and then DBT was the closest that I was to like really being all in with it. And something just still felt off. And then I met my coach Yarrow and learned her healing method. And it just fully made sense in my body. It fully gets to the root. It fully gets to the core. It fully susses out like these subtle energies in the cracks, right? Like, and being able to notice how much it shifted for me and how I'm able to use it with my clients and how much more effective it is than all of the therapeutic modalities I used to do with my clients. Like, why wouldn't I go all in? There's some months that I still don't know how I'm going to pay my mentor. There are still some months I don't know how I'm going to pay rent. There are still some months that I don't know who's going to sign up for my group programs. If I'm going to get anyone, it's all being with the unknown. So that is one of the biggest lessons I've learned at age 30 is the power and the benefits of learning to feel safe with being in the void of the unknown. Because as my mentor says, if you can be in the void of the unknown, it makes you the most powerful person in the world. All right, moving on to number three, trusting the timing and flow while always taking inspired action. So kind of building off of what we were just talking about, we cannot control the timing, but if we get clear on what we want and why we want it and our intention, we can trust that the universe will have our back. So I couldn't have predicted that the universe was going to give us one guy to sign up And then three, like a month later, we can't control the timing of that. So really being able to trust the flow. So for example, this month in my head, my mind and my ego is like, oh my God, you should have been launching this group like way earlier, but the universe had other plans. The first like two, I would say like the last week of December and the first week of January, I was in like a dark, dark phase where I just was feeling such heaviness and such grief and slowness and cocoon energy. And I was like, how the hell am I going to launch this group when I feel like this? And my coach kept saying, like, you just have to allow yourself to be, you have to allow yourself to feel it as my, hold on.
All right, we are back. Sorry about the interruption. You know, recording with uh, fur babies, not easy. So during that cocoon heavy energy, I could have forced myself and been like, oh, you have to post every day. You have to launch. I didn't post anything for two weeks. And so, yes, when we talk about consistency, our nervous systems need that consistency. We show up even when we don't want to. And for the most part, I've been able to do that, especially with my daily habits. But there's also this balance where if I'm in that dark cocoon energy, I'm still going to be consistent with my daily habits. That's why daily habits and what you're committing to being consistent to, the most important thing is, can I commit to this even when I'm in that dark cocoon energy? Meditating, chanting, journaling, that is something I can commit to when I am anxious, depressed, feeling great feeling blah, feeling what, like no matter how I'm feeling, I can commit to those three. If I'm traveling, if I'm at an airport, I can commit to those three. Posting reels every day during those two weeks, it, it would have been forced because I had no creative flow. It's like I needed to cocoon to then allow my creative juices to come out again. So trusting the timing, trusting that if you allow yourself to just be and actually allow yourself to be with the emotions without numbing. The reason that I had felt like I was in this cocoon period for like a month was because I was numbing with TV for the first chunk of it. And then I finally released a TV addiction and I was able to just be with the pain that my body was avoiding feeling. So really allowing yourself to be and to trust the timing and the flow of things while also taking the inspired action. So if you're feeling inspired, you know, this week I posted a reel at like midnight. Is that the ideal time for engagement? No, but fuck that. I felt inspired to post it in that moment. So I did. So trusting that. Um, lesson number four, being single and falling in love with solitude is a time to savor rather than rushing to do things just because society says to. So I've had many phases where I've been single, I've been in relationships, I've been single, I've been in relationships. The difference is that in the past times when I was single, I was numbing. I was watching TV, I was going out drinking, I was trying to meet guys, I was doing all these different things. And I wasn't actually just focusing on my relationship with myself. This past year, I've now been single for... Let's see, July, this past July was one year. So I've been single for a year and a half. And during that year and a half, I've had other connections and relationships that have come into my life, but not anyone that I was like, you committing to you is more important and valuable and going to add on rather than take away to the option of me staying single and committed to me. So I've allowed myself to experience those natural connections that have come up and explored those connections, but it wasn't a connection where I was like, it was coming from anxious attachment wound. This was the neighbor that I talk a lot about. And if you haven't heard about the neighbor, that will be a separate, <laughs> separate story. Um, but it was really, that was stemming from a combination of, yes, we had a genuine connection and had I chosen to actually commit to him and be in a relationship with him, that would have a thousand percent 
been coming from an anxious attachment wound rather than from a place of authenticity. And so when I look at being single, I look at, is this person going to add to my life rather than before from an anxiously attached place? It's this grasping feeling of, I need this to feel a certain way. I need this to feel whole. Whereas now it's, I've nurtured this relationship with myself where even last night I was just hanging out with myself and I voxered my coach and I was like, I love this. Like, I love just being with myself. I love connecting to myself. I love like journaling and working on my business and just like focusing on me because relationships take so much energy. And so if you're in a relationship that's draining you, and that's not to say that relationships don't take work, right? They can be incredibly healing and reparative. So don't get me wrong. Relationships can be draining in a way where it's like, oh, that was really draining last night, but we made a lot of progress in, you know, our communication or healing the anxious attachment wound or whatever's coming up. But there are other relationships where it's draining in the sense that you're pouring so much energy and time, precious, precious energy and time into a relationship rather than pouring that into yourself and allowing the relationship to either grow with you or not. So you being the anchor rather than the relationship being the anchor of your safety, that is the biggest difference. So this year and a half of being single has been so instrumental in me being able to develop further secure attachment with myself, as well as healing the anxious attachment even further when it comes up with my primary attachment, which is my mentor, um, and my best friend and other people I'm close to like my family. So if you are single and you're like, I'm just going to go on all the apps and like, it's different if it's an intentional, like this feels aligned. I feel ready to find a partner. Like I get it, you know, go on the apps, take that inspired action, do what feels right for you. For me personally, I have found that when I go on the apps, it ends up being like, oh, people just want a person to talk to on here. And sure, there are some exceptions where people end up meeting up and they get married and like, it turns into something beautiful. And like so many weddings I've been to where it's like, we met on Tinder, we met on Bumble. That is beautiful. For me, I've always just allowed it to happen naturally. So the times that I have not looked for a relationship are the times when they've come in. Sometimes during times where I didn't really want them to come in because I was like, fuck, I really just want to stay single. I'm enjoying my solitude and relationships do take work. And I don't know if I want to do this work right now, but my past three relationships, well, I guess four, if you're including the most recent connection, because it was a relationship, it just wasn't a exclusive romantic relationship, but my most serious romantic relationships have been meeting them when I least expected it. One was at a New Year's Eve party. The second one was someone setting us up. And the third one was at the dog beach. So I have been shown so many times from the universe that people come into your life when they are meant to, and we can't really control it. And sure, again, we can take the inspired action. But for me personally, I'm like, I have 0% desire to spend so much energy swiping on a phone and trying so hard to meet someone rather than just allowing it to unfold naturally. That's just me. 
you have to do what feels right for you. But being single for this year and a half has been so amazing to the point where like, even the idea of dating, just it, my whole body is like, "Mm, no, I'd rather just keep building my dream life because that feels more fun and allowing as I do that for my future partner to come in naturally. So uh, let's see the next one. I already talked about this a little bit, releasing TV and other addictive behaviors, connecting with yourself without all the distractions is the only way through. So I just talked about this, how, you know, before I was considering myself single and spending time with myself, I was really just like numbing out. So what would it look like for you if you spent a period of time with yourself? Let's say I'm going to give up dating for six months. For me, it was sex. I said, I'm going to give up sex for six months. Cause for me, that used to be a big distractor and it like in some ways an addictive behavior and just like an avoidance of myself. So this, the end of this month will be six months of no sex. Woo! Celebrating myself big on that one. Um, so really looking at what are your addictive behaviors and can you set Like for me with TV, it was two weeks. Can I just go two weeks without watching TV? And then I reset that goal. So now it's, I'm on day 10 and I'm going to go even more than two weeks because I literally got rid of my TV. (laughs) And of course I could find ways I could watch my computer, my phone, but I just don't want to anymore. So really challenging yourself to just be with yourself each and every day without all the distractions, without all the addictions, noticing what you are trying to avoid and numb with your addictions and noticing if I'm not building my dream life or I'm broke and sick all the time, why is it because I'm not actually allowing myself to tend to those emotions? And so I'm numbing out because 90% of the time we complain about how things are in life. And then we realize, well, we're not actually tending to the emotions that need to be tended to. And of course we need support for that and co-regulation to feel safe, to feel those emotions. Um, The next one, investing in support which leads into what I was just saying, right? So like really prioritizing the amount of times I hear people say, I can't afford healing. I acknowledge that coaching is a way higher investment than traditional therapy. I used to get paid pennies and now I charge way more than pennies. So I acknowledge that. And also I know the power of showing your nervous system, you're safe to invest in yourself. It allows you to feel safe to receive more to invest more, to expand more. It's a stretcher of your nervous system and it allows you to show up more. The amount of times that I had clients no show when they wouldn't, you know, when it was free therapy versus, okay, I'm investing in this. Like for me, I invested thousands of dollars into my healing that I didn't have. I went into debt to do this healing work. And I was like, I'm going to make the most of this. So I'm going to use Voxer every day for my, with my coach. I'm going to really like go all in and get my money's worth, which I have. So really looking at where are those excuses coming in? Where are you actually spending money? I used to spend so much money on DoorDash at Abercrombie, uh, on alcohol, on weed, on all my addictive behaviors, on my subscriptions, like really looking at where's your money going and why are you saying that you can't afford it? And if you genuinely can't afford it, how willing are you to look at solutions? So I had a girl in my group where she had her parents give her my group as a graduation present. 
or another girl who, you know, had to ask for support or who applied for a new credit card or, and listen, I'm not saying go into credit card debt. I'm just saying that for me personally, without using debt as an intentional tool, which Amanda Francis, one of my money manifestation idols, she talks a lot about this without doing that. I wouldn't be where I'm at today, where I'm actually able to feel safe to receive abundance. I built a six-figure business in my second year in a, under a year and a half because I used debt as a tool. And so really looking at your money beliefs coming up when it comes to your healing. Do you not feel worthy of receiving support? Do you not feel safe to invest in support? What comes up for you when it when it comes down to really investing in yourself? I had a discovery call last week where she started crying and said, you know, I don't feel worthy of making that type of investment in myself. And it makes sense because we're not taught to, we're not taught to prioritize our healing and our expansion and our lives. But again, what is more important than that? Um, the next takeaway, healing your attachment wound will literally change your life. Um, and then the last one, taking radical responsibility of your role in things without making it mean anything about you as a person. So healing my anxious attachment literally changed my life because it was subconsciously driving my behavior with everything. So the relationships, my relationship with my clients, attaching anxiously to the outcome of things, attaching to the way things should be or should look like my control, which control and anxious attachment go so hand in hand. It was so strong because that's all my body knew. When things feel out of control during childhood, you develop control as a protector because that's how your body knows to feel safe. So really being able to look at where's my attachment running the show? Where am I staying small and stuck because I'm afraid of losing my primary attachment figures or I'm afraid of those dynamics shifting? Because the reality is, is that your relationships and your dynamics will change when you change. And that doesn't mean it's a bad thing, but it can feel scary, which is why you need support as you're doing it. <sighs> okay, so taking radical responsibility. One of the hardest human emotions to sit with is shame. And so I used to project, sometimes I still do, I would project onto my closest people because I didn't want to sit with shame. And because one of my childhood wounds is that I felt like, my mom wasn't able to take responsibility for her part in things. And so I always felt invalidated. I always felt like things were on me. And so being able to look at myself without making it mean anything about me, sitting with the shame and being like, okay, I'm feeling shame because I projected or I um, got graspy or I acted like a child or I did this and being able to be so gentle and compassionate with myself and not making the shame mean that I'm wrong or that I'm going to get abandoned because our inner child, when it feels that anxious attachment get triggered, it's that deep, deep fear of abandonment. And that's for all insecure attachment styles. It's that deep fear of abandonment. So really being able to look at what is my role in things, because we cannot control other people. What is my role in things and how can I stay in my power, stay in my leadership and come home to myself and not make it mean anything about me as a person, because you are still equally as lovable and seen and heard and understood and valued and loved unconditionally, regardless 
regardless of when your human comes out, regardless of when your trauma comes out, it's just all for learning and for our soul's evolution. So if you look at things as this is happening for me rather than to me, you allow yourself to shift and not stay stuck. So, you know, when we talk about not staying stuck, it's not allowing your trauma to literally run your life and become victim to it. It's my trauma happen and it's my it's not my fault that it happened but it's my responsibility to heal it do you guys notice that i only have one press on nail because this one won't come off <laughs> anywho so those are my biggest takeaways i love to hear and i love that i'm finishing right at 11 11 that makes my whole heart happy especially because today is 1 1 1 today is january 11th so i'd love to wrap up at 1 11 or 11 11 let me know if you guys have any comments, questions, thoughts, and I love you all so much. Thank you for being here and I will see you next week for morning tea and make sure to keep an eye out for my podcast dropping this Friday, the 13th. All right. Love you guys so much. Thank you for celebrating with me and I will see you soon. And for those of you listening to this podcast episode, if you found this episode helpful, loved little nuggets of wisdom that I dropped today, please feel free to screenshot it, share it on Instagram and tag me at Rachel underscore Kelly underscore coaching and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thank you so much for being here and I will see you on the next episode.